Hello, everyone, and welcome to the January 18th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, an attorney with Floyd, Skarn & Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. Branded drug companies hammered out far fewer deals with generic drug makers to delay the sales of cheaper medicines and the year after the Supreme Court ruled the Federal Trade Commission could legally pursue such agreements as potentially illegal. These agreements are known for pay-for-delay deals. The FTC has fought the practice for years and... Pharmaceutical companies reached only 21 of the pay-for-delay deals in physical 2014, compared with 29 in 2013 and a record number of 40 such deals in 2012. The Supreme Court ruling in the case of Federal Trade Commission versus activists said that such deals could potentially be a violation of antitrust law, but the court refused the FTC's request to declare them to be presumed illegal. An FTC study concluded in 2010 that pay-to-delay costs consumers $3.5 billion a year in higher drug prices. And over the last decade, generic drugs have saved computer consumers more than $1 trillion. That figure could be a lot higher if the pay-to-delay practice were outlawed. In a typical pay-for-delay deal, a branded drug company will give a generic firm money or some other consideration in exchange for the generic firm's agreement to delay bringing out a cheaper version of the medicine. The FTC said it was pleased with the drop in the number of these deals. The FTC did not say which drug makers were involved in the 21 deals that went through, but it did say that the 2014 agreements involved 20 different branded drugs with combined U.S. sales of about $6.2 billion. Ten involved a cash payment, six involved compensation by way of a related business arrangement, and five involved an agreement by the branded manufacturer to refrain from marketing a competing authorized generic for a certain period of time. Litigation enjoined lien activation fees for two years until the U.S. Court of Appeals upheld the constitutionality of the fees last year. In the aftermath, the DWC resumed collection of the lien activation fees on November 9 before ending the practice on December 31, 2015. Any liens not activated by that time are dismissed by operation of law. New liens are still required to pay a filing fee. The lien fees are one of the components of SB 863's workers' compensation reforms. SB 863 requires a provider to pay a $150 filing fee for filing any new lien. Approximately 462,000 lien activation fees were filed between January 2013 and December 31, 2015. Nearly 537,000 new liens were filed during the same time period. And now our fraud report. Los Angeles nightclub owner, 44-year-old Jonathan DeVoe of Cerritos, surrendered and was booked on multiple counts of insurance and tax fraud, totaling more than $1.1 million. He is part owner and operator of Los Angeles Entertainment, 
DBA Savoy Entertainment Center and Nightclub in Inglewood. He allegedly underreported the number of employees working for him so he could illegally reduce his workers' comp premium. As a result, the state compensation insurance fund was allegedly cheated out of more than $143,000 in premiums. During the same period, DeVoe allegedly paid many employees in cash, which allowed him to cheat the EDD out of more than a half million dollars in payroll taxes. DeVoe was also charged with sales tax evasion by underreporting his sales to the California Board of Equalization by $5.4 million. Although he collected sales tax from nightclub patrons, he allegedly kept more than half a million dollars that he did not remit to the state. If convicted on all charges, DeVoe faces up to 18 years in prison. And a Sacramento construction company owner has been arrested for allegedly not paying workers' comp premiums for his employees. 47-year-old William Huffman, a Sacramento resident and owner of Capital City Contractors, was arrested on nine felony counts of workers' comp insurance fraud and tax evasion. He allegedly underreported approximately $756,000 in payroll to avoid paying workers' comp premiums. An insurer notified the Department of Insurance of suspected fraud and Detectives discovered evidence that Huffman was paying employees under the table and classifying some payroll checks as expenses for supplies and materials. Huffman was booked into Sacramento County Jail with bail set at $100,000. The Sacramento County District Attorney's Office is prosecuting the case. An advance fee scam is a type of fraud and one of the most common types of confidence trick. The scam typically involves promising the victim a significant share of a large sum of money provided they make a small upfront payment. If a victim makes the payment, the fraudster either invents a series of further fees for the victim or simply disappears. There are many variations on this type of scam which has been used with fax and traditional mail and is now prevalent in online communications like emails. Online versions of the scam originate primarily in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Nigeria with Ivory Coast, Togo, South Africa, and the Netherlands and Spain also having high incidences of such fraud. The scam messages often claim to originate in Nigeria, but usually this is not true. Hence, it is sometimes known as the Nigerian bank scam. Generally, a victim will receive an email from someone in a foreign country who claims to have a stash of cash and need your help to get the money out of the country into your bank account. In exchange for your help, you are to keep part of the money, which, of course, never arrives. Now, the advance fee scam has a workers' compensation variant. A Chico woman has been arrested on suspicion of grand theft and elder abuse after accepting nearly $29,000 from an Illinois woman. 53-year-old Sandra Freeman was arrested after Chico police detectives served a search warrant at her residence. Detectives found evidence that Freeman had been accepting money orders, Western Union transactions, and cash deliveries. She would then allegedly wire the money to multiple locations in Nigeria. 
The arrest stemmed from a report from the Danville Police Department in Illinois indicating that a 72-year-old woman had been the victim of an internet scam. The elderly woman received a private Facebook message from a person who is disguised as one of her friends. The message claimed that the woman was eligible to receive a $150,000 workers' compensation settlement. She was given a phone number and spoke with a person posing as an attorney who explained that to receive the settlement, she would need to make payments to cover fees, taxes, insurance, and attorney fees. The woman felt comfortable talking to the unknown attorney because the information was provided by a person she thought was her Facebook friend. So she then sent five cash transactions to an address in Chico that totaled nearly $29,000. Chico police detectives then confirmed with the U.S. Postal Service that five envelopes were delivered to Freeman's address. She was booked at the Chico Police Department and taken to Butte County Jail. And in regulatory news, a new report says that California has the highest claim frequency in the nation. The WCIRB researchers reported that indemnity claim frequency increased in California by 3% from 2010 to 2014. While frequency for National Council on Compensation Insurance states declined by 11% over the same period. And approximately 10% of indemnity claims are reported late. A significant proportion of these late reported claims are for cumulative injury cases. And 18% of indemnity claims are estimated to involve a cumulative injury in 2014 as compared to approximately 8% in the earlier periods. The growth in cumulative injury claims has been concentrated in claims involving more serious injuries and multiple injured body parts. The increase in indemnity claim frequency starting in 2010 was generally experienced across the state, but... Since then, the increases have been concentrated in the Los Angeles area. Indemnity claim frequency increased by an estimated 13% in the Los Angeles LA Basin region, while frequency in the remainder of California declined by 6% during this same period. The Los Angeles area also has experienced significantly higher numbers of cumulative injury claims and claims involving multiple body parts than other regions of California. The full analysis of changes in the indemnity claim frequency is available in the research and analysis section of the WCIRB website. About 15 state attorneys general have joined the Justice Department's probe of two big insurance mergers that would reduce the number of nationwide health insurers to three from five. Regulators plan to scrutinize Aetna's plan to buy Humana and Anthem's bid for Cigna Corporation. This will complicate what is already expected to be a tough and lengthy review by federal antitrust enforcers. Antitrust probes are designed to determine if a merger would lead to higher prices or otherwise hurt consumers. The presence of a large number of attorneys general joining a Justice Department probe underscores the hurdles that both proposed uh, combinations face. 
Several lawmakers and the American Medical Association have said they feared the pending acquisitions would hurt consumers and lead to higher insurance premiums. The chief executives of Anthem and Aetna separately voiced confidence in the process. Anthem announced in July it would buy Cigna for $54.2 billion to create the largest U.S. health insurer by membership. The announcement came weeks after Aetna struck a $37 billion agreement to buy Humana. Healthcare insurers say that becoming bigger will allow them to squeeze out administrative costs, negotiate with doctors and hospitals, and push down the soaring costs of some drugs. But the American Medical Association estimates that 41% of U.S. metropolitan areas already have a single health insurer with a commercial market share of 50% or more. It believes the decrease of nationwide health insurers to three from five would make more regions anti-competitive. The American Antitrust Institute said the deals would substantially lessen competition in numerous health insurance markets. It recommends that the DOJ just say no to the two new deals that would fundamentally restructure the nation's health insurance markets. The DWC has adopted an order incorporating the CMS-revised ambulance fee schedule rates, zip code files, and inflation factor for services rendered on or after January 15. This order, adjusting the ambulance services section of the official medical fee schedule, conforms to changes in the Medicare payment system as required by the Labor Code. The administrative director incorporates by reference several CMS files from the CMS website. The ambulance inflation factor for calendar year 2016 is negative 0.4%. And in medical news, U.S. HealthWorks, one of the largest operators of occupational health and urgent care centers in the United States, announced it has acquired Muir Diablo Occupational Medicine, an affiliate of John Muir Health. Muir Diablo Occupational Medicine operates three occupational care centers in the East Bay region of the San Francisco Bay Area. U.S. HealthWorks currently has 11 centers throughout the San Francisco Bay Area, including two in the East Bay of Oakland and Berkeley. The acquisition of these three centers brings the total number of U.S. HealthWorks medical and on-site clinics to 227 nationwide in 20 states. The terms of the transactions were not disclosed. U.S. HealthWorks is a subsidiary of Dignity Health. Its centers collectively serve more than 13,000 patients each day. A new study says that U.S. emergency rooms are running short on medications, including many that are needed for life-threatening conditions. And since 2008, the number of shortages has risen by more than 400%. Half of all emergency room shortages were for life-saving drugs, and for 1 in 10, there were no available substitutes. And a bad result in an emergency room can easily result in a higher workers' compensation claim cost in the long run. Half of the individual shortage inc incidents had no explanation. 
The rest had a variety of systemic causes that add up to a U.S. drug supply too low to meet public demand. Drug shortages are of particular concern in emergency care settings where providers must rapidly treat ill and injured patients. For most medications, substitutes exist but may not be as effective and may have more side effects. The researchers looked at U.S. data on drug shortages between 2001 and 2014. The number of shortages declined steadily between 2001 and 2007, but began a sharp continual rise in 2008. Of the nearly 1,800 shortages reported over the 13-year period, about one-third were for drugs used in emergency medicine. Over half of these were shortages of drugs used as life-saving interventions for high-risk conditions. The average shortage duration for emergency drugs was nine months. Drugs for treating infections were the most common ones to run low, with nearly 150 shortages. Painkillers and drugs for treating overdoses and poisonings were also among the most common shortages. A particularly problematic shortage was for naloxone, the only injectable treatment for opiate overdose. In nearly half of shortage incidents, the manufacturer did not give a reason for the shortage when contacted. For shortages with a known reason, about a quarter were due to manufacturing problems or delays. Around 15% were caused by market supply and demand issues, and about 4% were from problems with raw materials. In 2013, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration released a plan to combat these drug shortages. Last spring, the agency also released a mobile app for doctors and pharmacists to search for information about drug shortages. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.